it is a genuinely viable, sustainable way of business to create social good. And I also believe that the some of the social outcomes that can come from this type of model is really additive. It's not duplicating sort of employment services that yep. government already have in play. Welcome to impactboom.org. We search the globe to find the people, stories, ideas, and inspiration to help you create maximum positive impact. Each week, Impact Boom brings you thought-provoking interviews with world-leading practitioners passionate about creating positive social change. These designers, social entrepreneurs, educators, innovators, thinkers, and doers share their projects, initiatives, thoughts, and insights on creating a better world. You can find all the stories, links, and other great content at impactboom.org. Follow us on Facebook or Twitter for the latest updates, or subscribe to the newsletter or on iTunes. Thanks for listening to episode 218 of Impact Boom. My name's Tom Allen, and I'm passionate about bringing you the latest interviews and insights to help you create positive social impact. Today, we're speaking with Susan Bannigan. Susan Bannigan joined Westpac in 1995 and held senior roles in finance, treasury, and business leadership across the group, including CFO of RAMS, before becoming the executive officer of Westpac Foundation in 2012 and CEO of the newly formed Westpac Scholars Trust in 2014. As CEO of both philanthropic organizations, Susan leads a team working closely with Westpac, universities, community groups, social entrepreneurs, and the business sector to support individuals and organizations, helping create a more inclusive and better future for all Australians. So in today's podcast, we'll discuss Susan's experience in leading one of the biggest programs of its scope, size, and vision in Australia. We'll talk about the momentum building for employment-focused social enterprises, and we'll certainly hear about some opportunities for social entrepreneurs in Australia. So Susan, it's an absolute pleasure to have you here. Thanks so much for joining us. Thank you, Tom, and thank you very much for having me on the Impact Boom. Always a pleasure. So to kick things off then, Susan, could you please share a little bit about your background and what led you to your passion in philanthropy and social enterprise? Thanks, Tom. I guess my sort of pathway into philanthropy and more specifically working with social enterprise has probably been a bit late in coming in that I, as you mentioned earlier, I've I've worked for a long time in the sort of financial services sector and through the last sort of 20 odd years, I've worked in a range of different businesses, but generally with a sort of strong sort of finance bent to them. To a point in 2007-2008, I worked on Westpac's acquisition of Rams Home Loans during the GFC, mm-hmm. and as part of that experience, Rams is a business that is comprised of you know 60 plus small businesses selling Rams products, and it was, as you can imagine, a really difficult time for them. I mean, that was a difficult time for many in, in across the world. And so I actually spent much of my sort of early time at RAMS working with these businesses, helping them reshape, rethink, pivot, exit the franchise system. And from that, it was really the first opportunity, I can't believe in my career, that I got to actually work very closely with the people that were impacted with the work that I do and Mm. realized that my commercial skills had the potential to help others 
in a way that you don't necessarily get when you work in a large corporate and you're in the head office function. And from that experience, I knew that I actually wanted to look beyond the sort of typical finance services sector into how I might use my skills to help others. And it was very fortunate at that time that I had a great mentor because I was, you know, I'd done some governance training. I was on some charity boards. I was volunteering. And, you know, I was very much actually looking to exit into working in a not-for-profit outside of Westpac. But she sat me down and and chatted about why and what was I looking to do and how was I seeking to make a difference in the world. And I realized that, in fact, by running the Westpac Foundation, for example, and using the networks of Westpac and the presence of Westpac and its, you know, whether it's its procurement or its employee skill volunteering, I could potentially have a a greater impact than if I just went into a not-for-profit just because the types of skills I had, you Mm. know. And being quite a commercially oriented sort of background, working increasingly with businesses to help create change was a really kind of natural space for me to be in and a really natural space for Westpac to equally look to have impact by bringing in commercial and business experience. So that's kind of how I ended up working at the Westpac Foundation and very much focused on business as a model to create social good. Wonderful. It's it's an exciting journey and great to, to hear how you really moved into this business for good area. So we've mentioned, Susan, that you are CEO of the Westpac Foundation and Westpac Scholars Trust. So I'd love to hear a little bit more about the sort of work that you're doing with those organizations and and what are the purpose of them? Okay, well, the Westpac Scholars Trust is our newest philanthropic foundation. It was launched in 2014. When Westpac was about to turn 200 years old, it really wanted to give back in a meaningful way, in a a way that would endure well beyond all of us Mm. over the generations to come. So set aside a $100 million endowment to establish the Westpac Scholars Trust, which is providing funding and support to offer 100 scholarships every year forever, backing people with the drive and the ideas to shape the future of Australia in the areas of technology and innovation, enabling positive social change, and Australia's engagement with Asia, mm. as these were seen as sort of core focus areas that yeah. would really contribute to Australia's prosperity and growth over the next sort of horizon. Yeah. So that's, you know, been operating now for five years and we're welcoming our 500th scholar. And it's certainly what it brings to life is we have such amazing talent across Australia, wonderful young people, technologists, researchers, future leaders, all with such purpose to help create a, a world that's better than the one that they entered into. And yeah. so I get a lot of inspiration working with the Westpac scholars. Mm. But the Westpac Foundation, it's been around 140 years operating, you know, really from a purpose of contributing to the greater community for many years. And over the last decade has had an increased focus on social enterprise as a a way to create social good. Mm. And it's done that with very specifically looking at how employment-focused social enterprises 
play a role in addressing the root causes of disadvantage mm. and seeing employment as a really important pathway out of disadvantage. We know that you know, underemployment exceeds over 2 million people in Australia and it's growing. Yeah. And this is as a topic is just increasingly more relevant as we look into the impacts of COVID-19 on Australia. So we work with funding social enterprises that are have got proven business models are looking to grow and scale and then we partner that with a recognition that we always challenge I challenge the team around this all the time which yeah. is how do you have impact you have a certain amount of funding but we need to have more impact so with funding as a constraint what else can we do mm. and this is where we really look to leverage the skills and networks of the Westpac group creating programs that help drive impact, board observership programs, financial chance programs, mentoring programs to support the organizations we fund. And I have to say that some of our sort of programs now are sort of well embedded into our form of grant making. And often we get feedback that some of that is some of the most impact that we can help mm. uh, an organization. So for example, we partner with Minter Ellison and they provide pro bono legal support to all of our community partners. And I know that they're often pointed to having been one of the most impactful things that have happened to some of these organizations. So every organization from the Westpac Foundation has access to things like that. It's wonderful support and there's such a great array of programs and experience that are offered through those organisations, Susan. So you talk about that focus on employment-focused social enterprises at Westpac. So what have you observed from the momentum that's clearly building across Australia now in these types of social enterprises and where do you find that gaps exist to provide support? Well, I do think that social enterprises, when I think about how it's evolved over the last 10 years, when, you know, you used to, 10 years ago, you would have had to spend 15 minutes just explaining what a social yeah. enterprise is. You now, you know, it, students are coming out of university. It's a, a well-recognized mode of delivering quality goods and services mm. whilst also delivering on a social impact as yeah. well. And I do think that one of the things that I'm seeing is increasingly important around employment-focused social enterprises and what I'm pleased to see around that growing momentum is that it's reducing the reliance on government. Mm -hmm. It's reducing the reliance on philanthropic funding because it is a genuinely viable, sustainable way of business to create social good. And I also believe that the some of the social outcomes that can come from this type of model is really additive. It's not duplicating serve employment services that yeah. government already have in play. It's very much additive with a view that I increasingly am seeing evidence that says it can be more impactful in some ways. So mm. when you look at like the disability employment services, I saw some recent research or some stats coming out of Luke's business, Terry's business at Whitebox, saying 40% of those who are employed, only 40% still have a job 13 weeks later. Yeah. But when you look at an organization like Jigsaw doing great work in the disability space, they have, of all the people that had started with them, I think they've got about 80, 100% are still in a job since 2014. Yeah. And of those that have transitioned to work, 80% are still in those jobs well beyond the 13 weeks. Mm. So those are really great outcomes. They're great stats. So I'm really interested to see how that may evolve over time in terms of 
the work that the government's now doing on how to create more jobs, yep. is this the time for social enterprise to really accelerate mm. access to support? Two other points I'd like to make. One is social procurement. You know, the uh, you know philanthropic funding is great for social enterprises. Government support is great. But again, how do you have more impact and more sustainable impact over the longer term? And that really is about having trading revenue. And so I believe that businesses as consumers, we can almost be best placed to support social enterprises by how we procure. And I believe there's two sides to that. There's how that we want to see business and government continuing to grow their procurement through organizations like social enterprises. But social enterprises have to make it easy. Business case still needs to stack up. And yes, social good might get you over the line, but your business case first and foremost. So, you know, we work with a range of social enterprises at Westpac, including Jigsaw, Green Collect, and a variety of others. But very much it's about having a great commercial offering. Mm, yeah, absolutely. Well, there's some great support provided there and some, some excellent reflections, particularly when it comes to social procurement as well. Susan, you know, we've previously spoken to to a range of the leaders from social traders who've provided their thoughts around that space and the Victorian government too. So that's some good listening for the audience to search up on as well. But Susan, I'm curious to hear if there's any other really strong opportunities for the social enterprise sector that you see for Australia. And what do you believe is needed to build on this current momentum? What do we need to do? Well, I do think that coming out of COVID, the focus that the government now has and the funding that they're looking to accelerate and channel into creating jobs has got to be an opportunity for Mm. employment-focused social enterprises. So what are those things that we've been looking at over the horizon that we can now bring forward and really look to address with government, not as individual businesses, not as individual states. There's been some great advocacy in the various states, yeah. but as a sector as a whole. So it was great to see the the recent launch of the Social Enterprise National Advocacy Group, because yeah. I do feel that this is an opportunity. And wait, maybe that is, you know, when you look at government and being able to say, actually, this will reduce reliance on government if mm. we can get the social enterprise sector continuing to flourish, then I do feel like there's something in this opportunity, as they say, don't waste a crisis. In this crisis, is this the time around payment by outcome? Is Mm. this the time for greater sort of opportunities for the sector? I do think that there's also, through the work of social traders and and, and individuals like yourself, Tom, putting a real spotlight on um, building awareness of the value of purchasing from social enterprise. I think there's still continued great opportunities there. As as you mentioned, so many are working in that space. And I think from a corporate foundation or from corporate Australia, there's this real opportunity to continue to support in the areas of capacity building and skills development. Mm. How do we make it easy for our social enterprises to tap into some of the the great capabilities that sit within corporate Australia? And so, you know, we recently launched the social, uh, in collaboration with the Social Impact Hub, a program to provide organizations the ability to tap into the skills of corporate Australia through a collaboration, which people can very easily find through the Social Impact Hub. You know, the areas, because it's big challenges, I feel, that often I see on why organisations may struggle. It's around financial management. It's around governance. And so there's some great opportunities, I believe, to help continue to build the capacity 
of our sector, including investment in leadership and the types yep. of leaders we need through this this time. Mm, fantastic. That's some, some great insights there. And you mentioned earlier, Susan, that you are now up to 500 scholars as part of the Westpac Scholars Trust, which is amazing. And it it shows just a such a broad array of, of really strong, effective leaders that you're working with. So I'm curious to hear about any particular qualities that you consistently observe with some of the scholars and leaders that you work with. I am constantly inspired by the people I work with, whether they're a Westpac scholar or a social entrepreneur. Mm. There are so many qualities that I learn from them. And what I see are ones that some aspects that I feel that I've seen very much in this sector is about resilience. Yep. Like I mentioned, the, the comment, don't waste a crisis. Yeah. You know, how yeah. are you feeling right now? Are you energized and you see opportunity? Or are you paralyzed and don't know where to go? Yeah. The type of leader that is energized, you know, sees the challenge. You know, there's a social change fellow, Loretta Bolletton, who leads Free to Feed, which is about creating opportunities for employment and connection for people from refugee and migrant backgrounds mm. through cooking classes and in Victoria. And clearly COVID just closed that right down. Yeah. And she's got a great relationship with her board. She worked uh, with a really strong board and pivoted that organization very quickly mm. to set up a program called Brave Meals, continuing to you know provide employment, also to help address social isolation and delivering food into the community. Mm. So that's an example of someone who's just didn't waste a crisis, went straight ahead and yep. offered and, and did something um, to change. Mm. The other, I feel that people who are great communicators, you know, and communicators in a way that they tailor their story to their audience. Are you talking to government? Are you talking to the sector? Are you talking to corporates? So, you know, I think of someone like Sarah Gunn who runs GoGo events. It's not the biggest social enterprise, but I tell you what, her enthusiasm and her willingness and generosity to share her learnings and her stories yeah. is, is helping to mobilize a movement in mm. South Australia. So, you know, that's really, I think, a really key quality. I think work that Luke Terry did with Vanguard and the, the research that he had underway to demonstrate with the cold hard numbers, the mm. impact that Vanguard Laundry was having was a great way to communicate with government and to access other forms of funding beyond philanthropy. Yeah. Or Green Collect, who works with delivering great services to corporates around taking away waste and recycling and reducing landfill. Yeah. They're doing a great job about it communicating the impact that that decision by that corporate has had on the environment. So yeah. there's just tailoring your communication and finding great ways to share your story. Yeah. And I guess the last thing I'd like to say is, I guess, and I, I do this to myself as well, how do you kind of lift your head up from time to time and go, how does this exist without me? How do I, how would that make me think differently about the way I run my business, mm. how I empower my people, how I grow skills, who needs to be on my board, because this has to exist beyond you. You're playing the infinite game yep. of what is possible to help create really challenging problems. So, yeah, so I guess leaders who can ask themselves that and see this is beyond themselves and how does that shape their business? Absolutely. There's some really great reflections there, Susan. So thanks for those. And you've named a whole bunch of really inspiring social enterprises there. So we'll stick links through to those at the bottom of the article so our audience can click on through and discover some more of their work. So to finish off then, 
books or resources, or perhaps you'd like to put in a shout out for, for some other social enterprises, who or what would you recommend to our listeners? So I am, I read, I'm a very eclectic reader. I read lots of different things. I also listen to audio books and I'm mm. reading, I'm listening to Simon Sinek's The Infinite Game yep. at the moment. So it's a real one that made me sort of question and think a lot more about this leadership beyond yourself mm. and beyond the current horizon. So yep. I encourage people to have a, have a think about that and particularly in this environment of COVID. Yes. And I guess the other, I guess, in terms of inspiration that I'm seeing in terms of initiatives and attacking and sort of intractable problems is the work that Worldview, Rebuild, Work Start, Mates on the Move are doing in the areas of recidivism. Yeah. And, you know, it's probably well known to many of your listeners about the challenges of people coming out of incarceration and if yes. you don't have a job, the levels of getting right back into jail is just unacceptable mm. and a job makes a substantial difference. So they've got really challenging environments to work in, but I really admire the innovation that they're doing. Absolutely. Well, there's some great organizations of books recommended there, Susan. So once again, thanks so much for being so generous with your time and your insights today. And we'll most certainly look forward to tracking the work of yourself and, and those of the organizations that you lead into the future. Thanks again. Thanks a lot, Tom. Thanks for listening to Impact Boom. You'll find links to the initiatives, people and resources mentioned in this podcast on impactboom.org. Please leave your comments below and remember, we'll be publishing fresh inspiration and insights to help you create positive impact every week on the website, Facebook page and Twitter.